This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined by David Moore. Hello, David. Good morning, Kevin. How are you? I'm great. You know what? It's so Good. great to, to speak to your colleagues and get such a sunny response. Because then there's the other colleague we go to, and that would be Evan Grant. Well, hello! Wow. I prefer the normal response from That's, you. That is a bad Queen of England. Let's Can we Actually, get that out of the way with? <laughs> Actually, I think it was it was the Seinfeld voice from when he made fun of his girlfriend's belly button. She said she was the Kool Aid Man. Oh man, that's what it was. You know, the other right. night, my my youngest son loves to watch those those Seinfeld bloopers. You know, so he he dragged us through that whole thing again, and it's pretty funny. There's a lot, there's a lot of them. Let me tell you, they were having a good time while they were making that show, which is good because we I was having a good time watching it. All right. Well, let's speaking let's of bloopers. I'm making this show. I mean, oh yeah, right. Yeah, speaking of bloopers. It's a segue. Uh, That's a podcast segue. Exactly. This is just one big blooper. Uh, <laughs> we got a uh, speaking of bloopers. We got that team that out the star that David covers on a daily basis. Um, they're kind of like the uh, the NFL version of bloopers. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, been kind of an embarrassment this season. David uh, wrote a story saying that the Cowboys are going to win the East. Again, a gross, <laughs> gross exaggeration. <laughs> Much like many people on social media, all you do is look at the headline and then <laughs> extrapolate what the story says from that. Yeah, there's no, there's no sense in reading the stuff when all you got to do is look at the headline. <laughs> exactly. Come on, David. Form an instant opinion, go on. Yeah, that's right, exactly. By the way, I would like to point out that I've noticed a new trend on social media, which is to not even read the entire headline. <laughs> Just read to the point where you decide you're going to have a hot take. Yeah, yeah. It does true. take a lot of time to read the entire headline. Why not shorten it a little bit? Well, well if it, there's so if much it, information out there that the less, the more we take in, the less we actually do. So it makes perfect sense. The, the, the San Diego Padres had an interesting official tweet yesterday in which they announced in the first part of the tweet that they had signed Mike Clevenger to a two-year contract extension. And then there was a blank space. And then below it, in the same tweet, it said, also, Mike Clevenger will undergo Tommy John surgery next Tuesday. So there's one of those cases where you want to make sure you read the whole tweet. Yeah, so really, you're getting a, you're, you're paying for two years and getting one. It's uh, it, it was some some really uh, wheeling and dealing there by AJ Preller. Um, all right, so let's tell us how the Cowboys are going to run away with the East. Yeah, it's very easy. Uh, 
and it's not uncommon for a two and seven team to finish strong <laughs> and, and overtake the three teams ahead of them. But I mean, for a, for an outdated literary reference for our uh, listeners, the NFC East this year really is through the looking glass. Uh, I mean, you know, Philadelphia is at three, five, and one leading the division. And you look at their next five games, it's difficult to see how they win any of those five games. At the On the absolute best scenario, they win maybe one. So then you're talking of getting to four with two games left in the season. You know, I, I've always been one that has rejected the notion of saying a team can win a division at, at seven and nine because historically, usually it gets up to at least eight and eight, you, and, and more often than not, nine or seven. Uh, but I, I truthfully believe looking at this division and, and the teams that are left on the schedule for all four of these teams, uh, I think there's a good chance six wins <laughs> takes this division this year. And you look at the schedules remaining and you can actually make an argument that the Cowboys at two and seven have the most favorable position in the division to do something in these final seven games. Now, again, that's also acknowledging they're as bad or worse than every team they play. But when you look at the level of competition, they have the easiest schedule remaining by far. Um, they have, they're the only team in the division that has three games within the division left. Uh, so that's a big plus for them. And as long as they win those games. And, you know, you look at this division, and Kevin, I know you cited this the other day in, in, uh, in your newsletter, I think teams outside, outside opponents, you know, NFC East outside of the division are two 18 and one this year. Well, New York and Washington have not won any games outside the division. Five of New York's final six games are outside of the division. And the only reason they've made this little run now is because five of their last six have been in the division. So you break it all down and you look at it. I mean, no team is going to win this division. It's going to be a matter of attrition. And if if Dallas can get these three division games or maybe even two division games, if they get another two outside the division, uh, this thing is going to go down to the wire, which to me is just inconceivable. And I believe that six wins for a division uh, champ would, would officially make it the worst division in NFL history. I don't yeah, believe, I believe seven wins has done it before. I think that is the low. Yeah, that is the low. So, so that, there is something to great. shoot for at this point. <laughs> and at this point, why would you want to let that go? And I mean, why would wrong. you just want to tie a team? I mean, why not be – we're talking about this being historically bad. Finish the deal. Yeah, there David, you go. If I'm, if I'm correct here also, just to add to your cavalcade of uh, – or your whatever it is of statistics. <laughs> I like um, how you got cavalcade in there, though. That was good. That was very I mean, good. If, if I'm correct, so the two wins outside of the division for the NFC East are the Eagles over the 49ers and that Cowboys last second win over Atlanta, right? Two yeah. very strong victories outside the division, <laughs> yes. So nobody in the NFC East has won a game against a team this year with a winning record. That is correct, sir. And let's take this one step further. I think when you look at this schedule the rest of the way, in a lot of ways, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to decide the NFC East. 
because the one tie we have in there is Philadelphia. Cincinnati is on the remaining schedule of the other three teams, Washington, the New York Giants, and Dallas all play Cincinnati here in the final seven weeks of the regular season. And they've already tied Philadelphia, which throws a wrench in the whole proceedings otherwise. So the, the Bengals are really, in a lot of ways, going to decide this division. If any team can beat the Bengals, maybe they can win the NFC East. The Bengals, by the way, are also 2-6-1. and one. So um, it's going to be a good team that decides the, the NFC East. <laughs> It, it, it's unbelievable. I, I mean, th- it's just to think of how bad this division is. And I saw a tweet last night after the game um, about somebody complaining that there's one team above 500 in the NFC North. I'm like, hold your okay. t-shirts there, pal. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm looking at the Cowboys schedule again. And yeah, they could get the six wins, I guess. I mean, there's a bunch of bad teams that they could potentially beat. Um, they've got Washington at home. They've got. Uh, they've they got, got Eagles at yeah, home. the Eagles at home. Yeah. And then they, you know, they, they finish the season against the Giants. And if they sweep the Giants, that might be end up being the thing that's a tiebreaker. San Francisco's beat up Cincinnati on the road. Yeah. I mean, this is, and again, just, I know we don't want to go through all of the schedules here, but, but. Let's look at Philadelphia, which at the moment leads the division at three, five, and one. Um, and it was interesting. Doug Peterson was doing his, his weekly radio show yesterday. And while he was on hold, they announced the results of a poll about did coaching cost the team the game against the Giants? And it was like 73% were like, you know, Peterson's an idiot. The staff's horrible. Uh, what are they doing? So we heard all of this while he was on hold. <laughs> So, so when he gets on, while he's on the air, he says, well, that really puts me in a great mood. Uh, can I hang up now? Does that fulfill my contractual obligation? So, and this is a team that leads the division. But l- look at their next five games. It's at Cleveland, home against Seattle, Loss. at Green Bay, Loss. host New Orleans, and then at Loss. Arizona. Loss. Again, you look at where the Eagles are right now and those opponents, you would say 0-5. But what the best case scenario really is just taking one of those. Now, one only gets them to four wins going into the final two weeks of the regular season. And I think that's a very plausible scenario. Um, like I said, the, the Giants are interesting because they've basically gone through this little – that's the thing about this division – if a team is able to win in a week, they immediately establish themselves as the favorite. You know, a lot of teams now are saying, oh, look for the Giants. They're on the rise. Well, yeah, the Giants have won two straight. They were both against teams in the division. They were against Philadelphia and Washington. And uh, they've only won one other game all season. And so, like I said, they're a bye this week. But then five of their final six are outside the division. And four of those six are against teams with a winning record. They're at Seattle, they host Arizona, they host Cleveland, and they're at Baltimore. So they have the second hardest schedule. Washington's schedule isn't as hard, but they still have Pittsburgh on it. They still have Seattle on it. Um, There's no plausible scenario where they win those games. So 
it's it's really hard to envision where six doesn't win the division. And it's not completely, totally, utterly out of the question that five will do it. So that Kevin, is, this is where the this is where the commissioner should step in and say, we're so, it's like it's like in the NCAA, you gotta win at least six games to qualify for a bowl. Yeah, bowl, that, yeah, bowl eligible. Be bowl playoff eligible. eligible. You gotta be playoff <laughs> eligible. You gotta at least have a five hundred record to get in the playoffs. Otherwise, you're not allowed in the playoffs. So, I think that, that that's what should be the standard from here on out. Kevin, it sounds to me like Kevin's just working out his next column while we're on the air here. What, well, that, I was, what's, the, you, what's the purpose of this podcast if I'm not working out columns? Are you still wedded? Are you still wedded to the Cowboys tanking? Did you did you say I wedded myself? Well, I I, <laughs> I understand these things may happen at your age, but are you married? To the idea of the Cowboys tanking still. Yes, I'm married to it. Well, I'm married to Debbie, and I, I'd like to say that that's been a great relationship. But, uh, but yeah, of course that. Because here's the situation we're just talking. I'm just thinking about this while y'all were just going on and on. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> that in the look, whatever happens, the NFC East is going to finish. The entire division is going to finish in the top ten or bottom 10 of the draft, right? Top 10 picks of the draft, which, because this is the year of the quarterback in the draft, the quarterbacks will dominate this draft. I am predicting that at least three quarterbacks get taken in the top 10, uh, maybe, maybe more than that, because there just aren't a lot of great players otherwise. You know, Penny Sewell, the, the offensive tackle from Oregon, is considered by far the best offensive lineman. He'll probably get taken very high. I would expect Cincinnati would take him to protect you know, Joe Burrow and that investment. They'd be crazy not to do that. Uh, so a, a lot of quarterbacks going to be available uh, here it, it, because there's been a really good quarterback play in the little bit of, of, of football, college football we've seen this fall. So what I'm asking is this. Who do y'all think, how many of these teams in the East are going to be tempted to take a quarterback with that first pick? With their first pick, not the first pick. Well, I think Washington certainly – yeah, um, I Giants. I'm not so sure. You know that it it depends on the play. I think they would be reluctant to, uh, but you can't completely dismiss it. And to me, Philadelphia and Dallas are fascinating discussions for different reasons because Dallas did not lock up its franchise quarterback with a long term deal. Right. Philadelphia did. And now there are questions whether or not Philadelphia should have done that based on Carson Wentz's performance this season. Right. And um, I mean, Wentz has really been bad this year and, and you can't say it's strictly on the supporting cast. I understand the issues in the offensive line, but, but compare, I mean, Dallas had issues in the offensive line too. Now I think they had more skill players than, than Philadelphia had available, but I mean, just compare Dak Prescott to Carson Wentz in these last two seasons, uh, that totally flips that argument from when they came into the league. I don't think there's any question. Well, listen, there was no question when we saw the Cowboys play the the, the Eagles. I mean, Wentz's, Wentz's decision-making, forget about the supporting cast, his decision-making was was abysmal. And, I, you know, I – I suppose if if Daniel Jones plays well and the Giants quote unquote roll into the playoffs, um, maybe that changes the narrative on him. But I, I don't think that 
in the amount of time that they've invested into Daniel Jones, the Giants have seen a, a ton of progress. Um, from and uh, if you're, let me ask you this, guys. I mean, because I'm the guy who, who knows the least about football here. If you're the Cowboys, do you consider drafting a quarterback, or do you then go back and try and do something with Dak coming off the ankle injury? Let me let me say this about that. Um, I wrote the, I wrote a column about oh, that's a good line. Yeah, let exactly. me say this about that. I like. Yeah, uh, I wrote a column last week saying that uh, uh, you know that the Jerry Jones. You should believe it when Jerry Jones says that Dak is his guy. He's not going to draft a quarterback. And and I base that on, on history, you know, because he's drafted one quarterback in the first round. And that was his very first draft. He got Troy Aikman. A completely different set of circumstances, you know, uh, an abysmal or, you know, team at that point with no foundation whatsoever. You're getting a chance to draft a franchise quarterback uh, with your first pick and something to build around, something to give people excitement and hope about while the team is bad and then can build to something else. The situation now is completely different. You know, the Cowboys are terrible this year, but I think we can all agree mostly that's based on two factors. One, injuries to very critical positions, and two, trying to assimilate a new coaching staff without a full offseason, and that was just a disaster, especially on defense. So I, I think that you can make excuses for this Cowboys team and that that when when it comes back – no matter what you think of Dak, most people I think would agree, or most you know, right-thinking people, that, that Dak is a top 10 quarterback in the league. A top 10 quarterback can certainly get you into the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, the 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 Eagles won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. So I, I think that, that we can agree on that and that there are a lot of other ways they could make this work. Having said all that, with Dak on the tag, they can still trade him. Uh, and if you, if you decide, let's just say that the Cowboys bottomed out, which uh, for all the reasons that David just explained, I don't think that's going to happen now. I don't, I think that the, I do think that the Eagles will end up with a worse record than the Cowboys. I, I think there's the, the, that Washington will end up with a worse record. Um, so I, I think that the Cowboys will end up drafting fourth or fifth or sixth somewhere in that range. And so this, the, the question of Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields will be out the window. Um, but I do think. If you thought you could trade Dak Prescott for a couple of ones uh, and then end up with Trevor Lawrence too, uh, I got to admit, I think that's something you should think about. Well, the, the decision there is, again, again, Dak is coming off a significant injury. Right. And uh, certainly he will be able to come back from it, but how will it impact his play? Uh, you can't determine you can't say with any level of certainty what that will be now but but you'd have i think seen enough in this last year and a half to 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 get the question with dak was never about his ability to uh lead in the locker room and and the players to rally behind him it was always about his ability to throw uh to be more than a a secondary part of the offense to be more than a bus driver to use an old term and he, and he's certainly shown he's more than that in this last year and a half so, so there are a lot of things to feel good about there. But the interesting part of that is, while he's done that, the turnovers have gone up and his record has gone down. Right. <laughs> you know, while he's become more prolific as a passer, the record has gone down. Now, the Cowboys have to determine how much of that is a decline in the talent around him versus what he is doing and, and the fact he's a little more turnover prone now than what he was before because we're putting the game in his hands more. 
Um, but all of that being said, the, the reason, the, the driving force for doing it would be one, you've determined, while he's a very good quarterback, he's not a quarterback that can lift a team above where it should be. And two, for financial reasons, you want to make this a more viable team throughout and go through the draft. Now, that would be the reasons to do it. The reasons you wouldn't touch it would be because look look at how much he has grown in this last year and a half. Compare him to other quarterbacks, not only in his class, but where he ranks around the league. And, 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 and ask yourself, that, I mean, Lamar Jackson was all the rage last year. Do people still feel the same way about Lamar Jackson now? I mean, there are very few young quarterbacks who jump to a certain level and continue to ascend. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is one. Um, but they're all like Deshaun Watson. What is his record like over these last two years? Um, you know, again, Tyler Murray is quickly becoming one. Yeah, th- this season. Now, what's he going to be like next season when right. teams have a little bit better read on what they did successfully this year? So there, there's always this give and take. And, and, and to me, the other question is, and I don't have it in front of me, but, but if you go back, Kevin, you mentioned like three quarterbacks being taken in the top 10 this year. If you go back and you look at over the last 10 years, the quarterbacks taken among the top 10 picks in the draft it's a very spotty return on investment as far as being a franchise player. Oh, absolutely. Very spotty. So you're basically saying, you know what you have in Dak, you know, you can win with him. You know, if you have better talent around with him, you know, he's not going to keep you from advancing in the playoffs. Um, You know, that's not it. He has shown he can perform at a high level. Um, Are you willing to give up that to take a flyer on someone if you don't know they'll develop? I want to just stop everything down based on what Kevin said though a minute ago, because I'm confused as the guy here who, again, is the least connected with football from where I sit. I'm not so sure I can make the case that the, that this is just an aberration type year for the Cowboys based on injuries. The running back play has in my mind declined. The offense, the defense has been horrible. Yes. There are some extenuating circumstances, of a new coaching staff coming in, but are you guys both convinced that this is not a team in decline? Well, Kevin, first of all, you, you hijacked the whole podcast. We were talking about quarterbacks and now you, you turned it into a discussion about whether the Cowboys are any good or not. Well, you just said that this is a one year thing. Uh, I, I do think it's a one-year thing. I think that there's enough good players, uh, enough young talent. It'd be one thing if this was an old Cowboys team. Uh, it's it's not an old team. Uh, there most of the, the the good players are all uh, in their mid twenties. Um, this you know unless we just uh, completely missed on the the Italian evaluation, which you know you could make that case maybe a linebacker uh, with Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch, or are they really as good as they seemed a couple of years ago? Um, I, I, I still think a little bit of that's the scheme, you know, that at some point, you know, they, they need to figure out a scheme that's going to uh, get the most out of these guys. I do think to me, the biggest, to me, the biggest problem on this Cowboys team is simply the defensive line. You know, uh, I, I heard Jimbo Fisher say this the other day. And, and, and I, and I think this, it sounds really fundamental and kind of almost a cliche, but I think people just ignore it all the time. If the Cowboys invested so much in their offensive line, 
right? We know that. That's what Jason Garrett built his entire uh, tenure on the strength of his offensive line. He decided that's what we're going to have to be great. And to, to some extent, he was right about that. He got that right. They, they were dominant in that phase, and it did allow them to do a lot of the things they wanted to do. But they never devoted that kind of thing to the defense. And, the, and it's just – it's even – I would say it's even more important on – I think the defensive line is the most important uh, place in the entire football field because – if you can't stop people running the ball, if you can't get pressure on the quarterback, the defense is no good. And that's what Jimbo Fisher said the other day was that people talk about the secondary all the time. He said, it doesn't matter how good your secondary is. They can only run with those people for so long, you know. And at some point, if you're not getting pressure, if you're not stopping the run, you're not stopping anybody. Well, the Cowboys defensive tackles are just not any good, you know. That, that's a very subpar group. The defensive ends, you know, we, we, we make fun of DeMarcus Lawrence because he doesn't get a lot of tackles, and yet Pro Football Focus came out and said that he was second team, you know, all pro so far this year because of how hard he plays all the rest of the time and, and all the other things that he does. Uh, but it's just a fundamental thing that you've got to have really quality defensive tackles. And when was the last time the Cowboys had that? When, when was the last time they, they had Pro Bowl Hall of Fame? And that's what I'm saying is that they got it. That's why this draft is so important, and it's unfortunate doesn't seem like there are any superstar defensive tackles in this draft. Uh, and, and if there were to me, that would be the first guy I would take is one of those. But I, I feel like you're making the point for me when you're talking about. The well, I think, the defensive, I, I think the defensive that's true. Line, that, that's, that's true. But I think you can fix that. I think you can, if you can't find that in the draft, then you got to go out and get it in free agency. You got to, you got to spend some money on that position. I, I just think there's, a, there's too much skill level, too much talent on offense. You know, I mean, once, once the two tackles come back on offense uh, and then, you, you know, then uh, Dak is back. Well, yeah, I think that Tony Pollard's a, a really good backup running back. Zeke's still a decent running back. He's still a good running back. He got too much money invested in him. But the good thing is that as a running back, they don't take up that much of your cap, even the best ones. It's not like the the, the contract for Dak. So the contract for Dak is, you know, is a real issue uh, going forward. And I, I kind of hate to admit that because I – there, there's there's so much pushback from all these people who don't like Dak. I mean, they, they're, they're looking for whatever reason they can find not to like him, and the, and the contract's just another one. Uh, and eventually, you got to pay all quarterbacks. That that's just the way of the world. But if you go out and draft a guy like a Trevor Lawrence uh, or a Justin Fields, I, I'm I'm higher on Lawrence than I am on Fields, uh, mainly because of the size. And uh, although I will say this, he he. He, he, he looks a little bored playing college football sometimes. And uh, I wonder how much he's really pushing himself. And that's the thing you got to worry about as well. I mean, we, we've seen that before, right? We've seen big time quarterback talents, you know, who were guys that just, yeah, I don't know if I really want to do this or not. You just know, didn't seem all that interested or passionate about it. Well, and I, I, you know, and so that's, that, that, that's the thing you got to worry about is that you, you know what you have with Dak. And that's why I think all another reason why Jerry doesn't want to draft another quarterback, you know, he knows Dak, he knows what he's like. He knows who he is. He knows the, the regard he, with which he's held in that locker room, uh, both on offense and defense, which is really unusual to have the entire team lined up behind the quarterback. So uh, I, I think, but the flip side of all that is I can, I can see it. Look, you got to be dispassionate about this kind of stuff. If you're the GM of the Cowboys, you got to think, I, I really like this guy, but is this the best move for us? Should, should we invest in a younger guy? You know, we, we won 12 games with a rookie quarterback four years ago. Uh, you, you know, 
should we, with a guy who might even, who, who unquestionably was more talented coming into the league than Dak was, you know, Dak was a fourth round draft pick coming into the NFL. One of these guys is going to be the first pick or the second pick of the draft. Um, so, of course, Carson Wentz was the second pick of the draft, and we saw how that turned out. Uh, I, I would I, I would argue he's not playing it as good a you know he was playing at North Dakota State he's not playing at Clemson or Ohio State uh, he's not playing yeah. that kind of talent so there there are lots of different ways that, that uh, things that can happen here and I, I I don't think the Cowboys should rule any of them out. I just be I, but I also feel like I mean it's so all of this is so contradictory right I mean you you're talking about the Cowboys tanking which obviously is the best route to go to get the best player but the best players in this draft are quarterbacks. And so right. drafting high isn't going to get you a, a, a defensive changing kind of player. Um, well, not, not, not unless you trade that pick. Well, it can yeah. get you draft capital. I mean, if you're in a yeah. spot where two quarterbacks go and you're convinced there's only one more that's worthy of a top 10 pick and Dallas is sitting at six, well, you can spin out of that with a couple of first rounders potentially. And so then you can apply that to your defense. So there is, there is draft capital to- be had there, but, 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 but you're right. It's still not, it's not like past years where it's like, Oh, Aaron Donald, let's take him. Oh, Fletcher Cox, let's go for him. He, he you know, he's a great defensive tackle. You don't have those, uh, because there, there's been a quite a wave of them have come through and Dallas has ignored all of them or not been in position to take them and uh or, or made a bad choice right yeah. I mean well the, yeah the one the one one defensive Taco lineman they took in the first round choice. was Taco Charlton yeah and 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 who did they neglect to take Taco Charlton Watt. Watt. because Watt didn't really fit into the system that they ran now to me that's what's going to be different defensively because Mike McCarthy and his staff made it very clear if you're drafting for position over talent you don't have a good system you take the player fit them into the system and you can work, especially defensively, you can rework any system to make it work. And and that's what they would do going forward. I think they would, if they get a great pass rusher and he doesn't fit the ideal scheme, they just go, well, look, we'll go back and forth between a four, three and a three, four. Why can't you do that? I'm, I'm a firm believer that it's great players that win games, not great schemes. Well, I, I think here what here's the problem. Here's the problem for me in all this and and, and trading down. Uh, I'm I'm not usually a big proponent of trading down. Uh, I wouldn't want to trade down very far. It, it, it's just what I said at the very outset here. It doesn't appear now. Maybe these maybe it works out differently. But going into this draft, it just doesn't appear that there's a a, a lot of great position players. Not a lot a lot of certainties like this. You know, like like who's the best cornerback? I've seen, you know. 10 different names mentioned about who the best cornerback is. I have seen, you know, 10 different names have mentioned about who's the best defensive tackle. Now you can got you know, edge rushers, Greg Rousseau with, with Miami, but you know, uh, uh, he, he only played one year, you know, you, you've got guys that have sat out who might be better players. You don't have any tape on them for this year. Uh, those are difficult decisions. And if you, let, the Cowboys aren't going to do this, but let's say they ended up with a top pick didn't want to make it, decided to trade it. You know, you got a couple of ones and a one next year, whatever. That, that's all good. But if you just end up with a bunch of guys, you know, and this is a, if this is a generational quarterback, as Gil Brandt has called Trevor Lawrence, well, then you look, you're going to look really stupid in this, in this deal. You know, I can remember growing up in Houston, there were lots of bad trades. I can remember when, when the, when the orders traded uh, Ken Houston to Washington and got back five players. Got five players for one guy. Not one of those five players was any good. 
you know, and, and Ken Houston is maybe the greatest safety in the history of the NFL. So those kind of things just don't work. You know, you, you have to make sure that the guys you're getting are not just guys. You got to make sure that these are difference makers because that's what the Cowboys uh, need. I, I, not only, well, they need a little bit of everything. They, they needed defensive uh, difference makers, but they also need uh, guys who are grinders. You know, I had a discussion with Russell Maryland a couple of weeks ago on a story I did out in Southlake and, and, you know, Russell was the first pick of the 91 draft not a, he was not a great player. You know, he made one pro bowl. Uh, and if you look at that draft, not a lot of great players in that draft, that was not a good one. And, and the Cowboys had a couple of first round picks that year. And I think they took Russell simply because he's a really good guy, really hard worker. They knew what they were getting, you know, Jimmy knew what they were getting, obviously. And, uh, and, and Russell, I asked Russell, so what do you think about the Cowboys? And I, and he said, you know, I just feel like they're just not enough grinders on that team. Uh, because I knew what my role was on, on this team. I knew what I was supposed to do. And I did, I did my job. Uh, and he said, I just don't think there's enough of that on the Cowboys. He said, just, he said, he doesn't watch a lot of football anymore, if you can believe that. But he, he said, just, just in my experience, I just feel like there's not enough of that. And, and I, I would, you know, I would say, I would certainly trust his opinion on that. And I think that's part of the problem with this team. Uh, sometimes I, I feel like, uh, there's a little bit of uh, when we've talked about that before uh, we're the Dallas Cowboys. Hey, you know, uh, this is the glamor team in the NFL. Uh, it, not, not a bunch it's of not grinders. Enough, it's we're, not we're enough. Stars. Anymore, man. It's not no, enough. it's well, it never, it never was enough. And that's that what, was, the, I mean, that was, that was, that was Al Davis, right? I mean, they were they, at one point in time, they thrived on reputation and the Raiders. That's just not, that's not enough anymore. Well, I don't know that ever. Uh, ever I don't know if it ever was enough to be to be good. I mean, I, I think you know the, the thing that Jimmy did uh, to me that the genius of Jimmy was one. He knew all the players he was acquiring. Uh, you know, when he coached in Miami, all those all the guys he recruited, all the guys that were from the Florida area, he knew all those players and, and he knew what they were like and he went out and got them uh, essentially. And, and, and secondly, Jimmy was just bold. You know, if, if something didn't work out, he moved on. How, how many times did Jimmy give up on a third round draft pick? You know, I think three times they, they, they coughed and, you know, you don't want to make a bad pick in the third round, first of all, but he moved on from them, you know, and, and that's what the Cowboys, uh, they need to make some bold decisions here. That that's, Part of Jerry's, uh, you know, we can make fun of Jerry all we want. Uh, but to me, the biggest problem with Jerry is he just he's just too optimistic and he believes in things too much. And, and he gets going and thinking, oh, no, this is good or this is a good player or, or you know, or for whatever is he whatever excuse he makes for for thinking that things will go on. And that's, you know, Evan, you point you make a good point. Maybe I'm being too optimistic myself when I say I think this is a, a this is still a good team. Once they get everybody back, once they get another year under their belt with whatever it is they want to do on defense, you know, and then they make some some good uh, contributions to the team, to the draft. They're going to have to have a really good draft. They're going to, you know, they don't have to spend a lot of money on great players. I mean, they spent some money on players this off last offseason. And how, how did that work for them? You know, Don Terry Poe was terrible, uh, you know, uh, so there's still questions. I, I just think that, um, and I know you guys want need to move on and, and, and talk some Mavericks here, but I, I just feel like, yes, Kevin, you've outlined and, and, and you both have outlined a, a strong case for why it makes sense to to tank for the remainder of the year. Um, but I also feel like anybody thinking that tanking is going to provide easy solutions for this team 
um, that's not where they're that's not where this team is at. The the draft doesn't line up real strongly with their needs. Um, and, and I think you could even if you do trade down, you run into the 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 potential issue of your, you know, you're trying to solve an issue of quality just with quantity. And I don't know if that's if that's gonna pay dividends. And I I I do feel like and I'll just say this, you know, you you just to sum up the whole idea of, of, of the difference between where the Cowboys are now and versus where they were, in my view, when Jen, when Jimmy Johnson was running the team, when you are taking over at the very bottom and what amounts to a, essentially a, a expansion type franchise, you can establish a meritocracy and run a meritocracy. And that's how this team plays and everybody buys in. When you've got long-term contracts and you've got franchise players, it's harder to do that. And the Cowboys are in a tough spot where they've got to thread the needle between contracts and maybe turning over some pages here. True that. David. I concur. Okay. Very good. All right. Let's move on over. Then we've settled all those Cowboys problems. Let's move over to the Mavericks, uh, a team that actually has a future. Um, uh, and, uh, and then showed one last year with young players. Um, uh, some disconcerting news uh, lately, uh, the fact that uh, uh, Chris Daps-Rosingas will not start the season. I guess we probably figured that's a possibility, especially since it was going to start this early. Uh, there had been a little more time uh, between seasons. <laughs> There's been about 20 minutes since uh, the last season ended. So uh, he won't be playing. Um, a lot of speculation about what the, the Mavericks might do. Uh, I know uh, Brad Townsend was working very hard. Uh, talking to people around the league who say the Mavericks are involved in lots of discussions uh, about uh, adding a third wheel. Um, uh, the, the the most popular one to be in discussed was uh, Victor Oladipo, uh, who, who, depending on who you want to believe, all the people who heard him say that he wanted to play for another team, or Victor, who says, no, no, I never said that. I never said that to anybody. Uh, he certainly would be, to me, uh, when we and David, I want to talk to you about this specifically. When you talk about a third wheel, um, and, and that seems to be the thing everybody has to have two's not enough, you got to have a, a third one. I, I agree with that. I think, especially in the Mavericks case, that's important because I don't know that Porzingis is ever going to be a guy who plays 80 games for you. He's, he's always going to be a guy who plays probably 60 to 65 games just just for uh maintenance issues. He's just a he's just a big guy. Uh, who, who is a very active player. It's not like he's some lumbering stiff, you know, that goes down there and sets up. This, this is not 1990s basketball. You know, it's, it's a different game now. He, he's a guy who really moves around a lot. So uh, he's going to be susceptible to, to these kind of issues probably going forward. But to me, you put up with it because of what he brings to the table. Um, I, you know, I, I know there are fans out there thinking that they've got to have Antetokounmpo you know, as that third wheel, it's like, he's not a third wheel. First of all, he's a, he's a first wheel. Uh, but secondly, to me, a guy like Oladipo is the difference maker for this Mavericks team. I, I think a guy who's a, he's a two-way player who's a, who can score, um, who's consistent, who's, who's a closer. Uh, I think the Mavericks showed those deficiencies last year. You know, it's like Brad, Brad will tell you over and over again, what this team needs is a wing, you know, a three and D wing. Uh, a, a guy who can play that, uh, that's, that's their gaping hole right now. Uh, a little toughness and, a, and, and that from that position. You're just not getting that right now from Tim Hardaway Jr. That's, he's just not going to do that consistently. 
that's not the kind of player that he is. I don't, I don't think, I think he, I think I like Tim Hardaway coming off the bench, not for the money he's making. I don't, but I like him. If uh, just, if you put the money aside, he's good for that. So David, tell me what you think uh, is the best case going forward for the Mavericks and what to do at this point. Well, yeah. And, and I think they're, this club's continued infatuation with Danny Green illustrates exactly the sort of player they want. And, and I would argue Oladipo is a, is a younger uh, upgrade over Danny Green. But just the fact that this team is still looking at, well, uh, maybe we can get Danny Green in here to like supplement this roster. It, it shows you what they feel they're missing. Uh, uh, like you said, a 3 and D guy um, that, you, that you just set up opposite corners, space the offense. Um, you know, um, Luca's going to find him. Um, so Oladipo said, you know, I, I will say, I think Porzingis makes looking for that third player a little more different difficult and changes the dynamic because he does miss so much time. Now, I, I think you have to assume that we just don't want this is not a clear delineation of Luka Doncic one, Kristaps uh, Porzingis two, and whoever we bring in three. The third guy is going to be need to be a, a 2B and really a 2A at times. So yeah. I, I think you need a little bit more out of that position because at this stage going forward, you assume that you're going to be without Porzingis for stretches. So if you assume that, you need – durability is a key in that third guy and Oladipo has had some injury issues. And so that is something to, to me, that is just where strictly from a talent standpoint, uh, yeah, you would do it if, if you could pull it off. And if Porzingis was a guy who was playing 75 games every season, no question, of course you do it, but I'm not sure Porzingis is that guy. So what do you want out of the guy you're looking for? I think it makes it a little more problematic. Uh, I think you look at a few different qualities than you would otherwise if, if Porz, you know, uh, Porzingis was a little more durable. So that would be, that would just be my concern and something like that. But, um, you know, the, the Mavericks need to do something this year. And I think if they, if they don't make an addition, uh, a significant addition in free agency, um, they're looking at one and done again. And then the feel on this team, even with Luka Doncic is going to be much different going into next season than it is right now. And so I, I think they need to make, and my understanding is, I think Brad, you know, touched on this, um, they need to make decisions in this offseason, not that what we've seen over the last six or seven years, which are, oh, well, let's bring this guy in, um, see if we can develop him. If not, we'll move on, and then we're in a position to contend. We can actually do some. They need to make moves and put themselves in condition, you know, position to contend right now. They need to look at their offseason differently than what they have in recent years. And so um, – but, but the issue is, do they have enough personnel to get it done the way, the way they need to get it done and then just supplement it in the draft or uh, pick, you know, pick some role players judicious, judicious, judiciously uh, in, in free agency? <laughs> and, 
uh, yeah, this is here, here's the issue for the for the match. So, so just so listeners understand this, you know, right now they they have uh, room for that mid level exception about nine point three million. So they're not, in, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, they're not in any position right now to offer a big contract to anybody. And not that there's anybody really you want to give a big contract to this year anyway. Next year's the big year, unless Antetokounmpo signs a long term deal with the Bucks, which that seems to be in the offing here. Uh, that, that that they they've just added, or at least they're adding this week. Uh, a couple of really good players in Drew Holiday and uh, 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 gosh, Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich so yeah. Yeah, from that's, Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's two really good players are at, especially Holiday. Uh, the Bucks look like they're all in. And uh, and I, this is what uh, uh, Kumpo has wanted all along, wanted to know that the Bucks were committed to that kind of thing. And it, it looks like that, that they are. So, so that – so that takes a, a pretty big chip off the market next year. Uh, then that leaves that leaves LeBron, it leaves Paul George, it leaves Kawhi Leonard. Those are some pretty big names. Um, as I look at that group, um, I, I'm not sure, you know, and, and fans are always disappointed. Why don't you end up with one of those teams? Well, only one team ends up with, with those guys. They're just a handful of guys who are really difference makers in the NBA, right? Uh, and, and so not everybody's going to get one of those guys. Um, and, and it's difficult when you're not on one of the coasts, you're not in a major media market, uh, where these guys feel like they can make more money, uh, off, off the court, uh, than they can in certain places. I'm not saying that that's keeping them from coming to Dallas. I mean, you know, James Harden played in Houston for a while. So, although he may not be playing there much longer from the looks of it. Uh, but, uh, I'm, I'm wondering about a guy like Paul George. Uh, who will be uh, a free agent after next season. Uh, now, certainly he was very weirded out by the bubble and did not play yes. well at all for the Clippers. I, and I would venture to say that Paul George was the primary reason that the, that the Clippers did not go any further in the playoffs than they did um, because Kawhi Leonard was as good as he always is. And, and, and yes, I've, in, in the perfect world, I'd rather have Kawhi Leonard. If you could have him, obviously I'd rather have LeBron, sure. that, you know, but of the guys that are, you know, attainable, I'm just thinking, uh, you know, he'll be 31 next year. So he's not, not old. Uh, he's getting there, but he's not old yet. He's a two way, he's a, a legitimate two way player. To me, that's the, one of the things that this team really lacks yeah. is a legitimate two way player. You know, they got guys who have roles who can play that, who can play a little defense, but they can't play any offense for you. And the there, guys there are, are very few elite two-way players in the league, and George yes. is one of them. Yeah, and, yes. and that, yeah, that 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 is what most of your championship teams have. They they have that, and that's what Dallas desperately needs. Um, but you know, they, again, Dallas is in a tough spot here because what have we heard for? six or seven years before they got Doncic. It was, well, we're keeping our powder dry for next year. That was a phrase. Right. We're keeping our powder dry. Next year's the big free agency year. We want to be players in that. Well, they were continually players and, and never landed anybody. Uh, I don't know that they can continue to say, especially this year now, oh, we're going to keep our powder dry. So you're going to go through three years of Luka Doncic who accelerates you beyond where you have any right to be and just say, oh, no, we're not going to go all in on, on 2020, 2021. We'll, we'll push it back another year. We, we, we don't want to do anything uh, foolish here that's going to tie our hands down the road. Um, I think they've got to jump out and do something. 
And we've seen time and time again, you, you can get out of things. You're not tying your hands down the road. You're just giving yourself another uh, player to move uh, in order to, to still make the moves you want to get done. So I, I think, especially now that Luca is on his first contract, um, I think this is the time where, okay, we need to get something in place uh, by midseason this year and then see what we can do next year going again if you get a good player now and he doesn't work out who still has value that's just going to help you next year i mean we you see you see moves all the time of good players that are for uh, financial reasons and and to clear space and and you just take back less in return so you can put yourself in position to to get the player you want uh because all you have to do is pay them uh th- that's how Dallas has to proceed from this point forward with where Luca puts them. I think it's absolutely correct. Uh, my my issue is is that what do they do? I mean, yeah. you know, what what they have to offer at this point is that you know, we can get around you can get around the whole uh can't trade consecutive draft first round draft picks by you make the pick you yourself. You take the pick for the team, yeah. You mm-hmm. Take the pick for the team and then you trade it. Uh but that's not a very attractive. I mean, you can no. Donnie can sell this any way he wants to. 18 is, is not a great pick. It's okay. You know, you can get a role player at 18, uh, maybe. Uh, if but, you had your third guy, 18 is a nice pick to keep and go go from there and supplement your roster. But, yeah, exactly. But not for what you need to look for to improve this season. No, this, it, that, that pick is not going to improve them this year uh, yeah. unless, unless something wild happens. Uh, and this has to be about improving for this season. See, this is to me the, the the concern that the Mavericks have to have, and that and so to complete that that point, you know, it is going to be difficult to. You only have nine point three million available under the cap. You you only have the eighteenth pick of the first round. Uh, there's not you. It, and then if you look at the roster, you can say you want to trade all the you you'll you'll trade all these guys. Nobody wants a bunch of role players, you know. Yeah. If you're if you're trying to get quality, unless some team is just tanking, obviously going into this season, then they're not gonna they're not gonna make that deal with you. Now, I I I do think that's why I think going to this year going forward, like you you brought up Danny Green was which is the great point. Uh, he wasn't great last year. Uh, he was a disappointment uh, for for the uh, Clippers, but he's I think he's still a good player. I think that if they could if they could come out of this with Danny Green, I think that. That that to me would would represent uh, a a pretty good off season. I I think that because I I do think that he would give them something they they didn't have uh you know before on this team. It would make them stronger and getting Dwight Powell back uh would would really help as well. And, and maybe another year of all these guys playing together, then they'd be a little more competitive. That's obviously not enough to make them much more than you know a threat to take somebody you know seven games in the first round uh, of the playoffs. And because here, here's the issue, one of the things I, I you notice about Luca is that losing really bothers him. I mean, he after a game when they lose, I don't care what he's done, he is so down. I mean, and, and you know, I, I know that we we make. And fans make too much out of all that kind of thing uh, when a guy is not. But when a guy is that down, I think that w- I think we should make something out, take something from that. This is how much this guy wants to win. So when you can't win, uh, when you're not winning or it looks like you're not going to win, I think that affects that player going forward. Uh, look, the, the Mavericks can keep Luka 
Doncic, you know, I think through what, 2026, mm-hmm. uh, if they if they do everything the right way, because uh, they can match what he would make as a restricted free agent uh, or an offer from another team. But he can always force the issue. You know, at sure. some point down the line, he can just say, I'm not I'm not playing. You know, uh, you know, you're going to have to trade me. That This is it. This is an untenable situation for me. I'm ready to move on. Uh, I, I'm not saying that, that Luke is going to do that, no. uh, but, but you but have get, to make sure But if sure he gets a sense the organization isn't as committed to winning and losing doesn't bother the organization as much as it bothers him, then you have to wonder about your fit with the organization. And uh, perception becomes reality on those sort of things. And so I, I'm sure the Mavericks are very aware of that. Teams are always weighing building for the future and establishing the ideal culture in the present and winning in the present as much as you can. Uh, There's always that uh, friction uh, that that a general manager faces. But when you have a rare player, uh, you need to to go out of your way to show that player that, that you are aligned with him and his thinking and you're doing every single thing you can to win now because you realize you have a special player. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's, and that's, that's part of the blessing and curse of that kind of thing is that uh, you, you want that guy to feel that way. You want him sure. to feel like he wants to win, uh, but you've also got to do what's best for your organization. And at, at that time, um, yeah, that, that's, that's the, uh, we saw in the bubble as great a player as Luca was, is, you know, whatever, and you, you know, and we, we see the areas where he, obviously he can improve his free throw shooting, uh, you know, is number one, I, I think, and all, but also at, there have been occasions where we, the Mavericks have not closed out games well, but, but look how he played in the bubble, how he elevated his game to me, that that's how, and in the playoff, that's, that's how, you know, a, a truly uh, generational player. This is a guy, you know, and it's clear he's one of the top 10 players in the NBA right now. And to be that young uh, and to already be that, I mean, I I have to give the Mavericks a lot of props for the last couple of years. Uh, They were bold to make that trade uh, to get him um, and and not take and not just settle for Trey Young, who would have been a very good player. Trey Young's Mm -hmm. a nice player. He's he's not Luka Doncic. You know, he's not a he's not that big of a difference maker. Uh, and then to make the trade for Porzingis, that was a that was a bold trade as well. Uh, not only just because of what you're requiring, but but you're you're gambling that he's going to be healthy and going to be this this type of player. I think that's the kind of move they exactly the kind of move they needed to make. They needed to gamble and do that, uh, and I think they have. They're they're a lot more attractive destination now than they were. You know. But when they struggled to, to attract free agents before, it's hard to bring in, uh, players to come where the, the, the number one player is 33, 34, 35, 36 years old. That, that's hard uh, to get teams attracted to that. Now you're talking about a team with two players that are 26 or younger uh, much and much younger. Uh, instead, so I do think it's a it's a little different situation now, but you're going to have to make Luca believe that, uh, and that's going to be tough. So yeah, and I agree. And just to wrap it up, I know we're going long here, but um, you know we're looking. We just discussed this strictly from the franchise's standpoint, which is legitimate. It was the way we should discuss it, but also look at it from Luca Doncic's standpoint too. If this team goes another year and gets knocked out in the first round of the playoffs, and then a year after that, suddenly how Luca has viewed his status in the league is viewed differently. It's like, well, wait a minute. If you're such a great player, 
why can't you get your you know team past the first round of the playoffs? So after a while, even if it's a, a guy is a team player like Luca is, in the NBA there is such uh, an affinity and such an, uh, a spotlight put on the stars as far as leading teams. Then what does or doesn't happen with the team? also shapes the narrative of who you are as a player. And so the longer this team doesn't get past the first round of the playoffs, uh, you know, it's hard to imagine right now people not fawning and raving over Luka Doncic because of what he does. But I guarantee you three years from now, if this team hadn't been past the first round, people are going to be saying, eh, he's a nice player. But I mean, how good is he? I mean, look, look, he hadn't gotten the team past the first round. So that's the other side of this. This argument as well. People said that about Michael Jordan. I said that about Michael Jordan when he came into the league because that was at the tail end of the Magic and and Bird yeah. era, and those guys were winning championships. Years. Took yeah. him a long time to you know to win it all, and and people felt like, hey, he just he's a great player, but he just he's just a guy who piles up his own points. He's not a winner. Mm-hmm. All right, David, that's been great to talk a little hoops with you. Uh, going back to your roots there. Well, kind of roots. You had roots everywhere. Uh, but anyway, it's, that's good to talk about. And we'll see what the Mavericks do this week. So uh, be, next week, we'll have a lot more to talk about. That'll be good. Uh, Just to see what the Mavericks did and the uh, Cowboys actually get back on the field. So yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Maybe it'd be nice. I don't know. Well, I I, yeah, that. let's not say the Cowboys getting back on the field would be nice. Let's reserve judgment on that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. So for everybody in here to everybody out here there, thanks. We'll see you next week. And goodbye.